Good morning. Welcome to this beautiful Lord's Day and also Mother's Day. We want to say thank you to all the mothers that are out in the audience today and those online as well for being the wonderful people that you are and, and loving us each and every day. So thank you very much for that. If you would please, let's be standing as we join in song. <coughs> Come let us all unite to sing God is love. Let heaven earth and praises sing God is love. Let him soar. Once in
absolutely beautiful day, and we've had a beautiful week and a beautiful upcoming week. And I think that it's absolutely wonderful that we can get together and share this time in praising God and worshiping that we have that freedom to do that each and every week. And any time, actually, that we want, as so many don't have that freedom. As we sing this song, let's be thinking about those times and things that, we're, that we are here. We're here to worship. Light of the world, you spread down into darkness. Good morning. Uh, I want to reiterate the words that uh, Kelly said. We're glad you're here this morning on this Father's Day. Uh, got your attention, didn't I? This Mother's Day. 
and we are certainly we certainly know the the mother is more uh, looked up to than most some fathers. So you're a vital part of the family, and uh, certainly in the eyes of God and of children, uh, we appreciate what you do in and out each and every day. We love you. Uh, there's a small gift that will be handed out at the end of services at the back of the auditorium or some of our young people. It's not just for moms, it's for all ladies, so if you'll gather those as you leave this, uh, this morning. Uh, I just want to give you a, just a quick story about Mother's Day that, uh, that I had. Uh, Sharon and I got married 25 years ago, May the 3rd. Uh, we went to Maui on our honeymoon, and, that, and Mother's Day came during that time. So we were doing things around the island, and we went to a nursery just to see we like plants, and I can't grow them, but we like to look at them. Uh, and so we decided to send some flowers to our mothers back here in the States. Well, my dad was having surgery that week, so he was in the hospital. He lives in Marshall, but was in the hospital here in Tyler. So my, I decided to send my flowers to my grandmother because I knew she would be home and then in turn could give it to my mom. Well, she got the flowers and thought they were for her. And uh, my parents were still at the hospital. Well, anyway, she called me, thanked me for the flowers, and I did not have the heart to say, well, they're not for you, they're for my mother. Meanwhile, my mother's at the hospital who didn't get anything. And, you know, she understood, you know, we all make mistakes. <laughs> that, but anyway, I thought that was just a, a Mother's Day I'll never forget. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I wanted to announce the Young at Heart will meet 6 o'clock. That's this Thursday for a potluck dinner at the Family Life Center. Uh, that'll be a good time for all. On our prayer and care list, uh, I'm going to go over that now. Our love and sympathy is extended to Betty Thorne in the loss of her son, Craig. He had MS and was in a nursing home in Oklahoma. Her other son, Reggie, who lives with her, is in a Tyler hospital here. Our sympathy is extended to former West Irwin member Fern Bench and the family in the loss of her husband, Roy, who passed away in his sleep this last Tuesday night. Arrangements are pending. And if you know... Uh, Roy and Fern, they're a vital part of this church. He was a song leader. I think Fern was the first one who created the prayer and care list on an email format. So uh, while they've been gone quite a while, they're certainly still missed. And we pray for that family. And our sympathy goes out to Betty Hartsfield, whose brother Darnell passed away last Wednesday. And she's a regular member here at West Irwin. And Roy Fraley is doing well. He's now at home. So uh, that's good news. And also, Eileen Clark is home. Uh, Eileen's sister, Florine, is taking care of her, and no visitors at this time. I'm going to read a scripture from uh, Proverbs 31, 25 through uh, 28. That's Proverbs 25 through 38, chapter 31. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of the kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And that's speaking of mothers, so that's certainly a fitting today. Let us go to our Father in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this Lord's Day and for all that you provide for us. You are worthy of our praise and our gratitude. We thank you so much for this church family and Christians around the world. 
We honor you first and foremost, but on this day we do recognize our mothers and how important they are to each of us for the sacrifices they make on a daily basis. We know your ways and we are not, we know they are perfect and good. You deserve all praise. You have promised us perfect peace to those who focus on you. When we rush ahead in our busy lives, please bring us back to you and your godliness. Help us to fix our eyes on you when we experience fear, peer pressure, tragedies, and anxiety. Show us how you show us who you are, that you may help us to grow and strengthen you. Thank you for the examples of faith that we see in our children's lives. Be with them and help us teach them that they must rely on you. Give us what we need to get through each day. We pray for the church at West Irwin, for each ministry and that we're involved with, for our ministers and staff, our teachers and volunteers, and each family in your church. Keep us safe and healthy and provide us what we need to live a Christian life. We pray for the forgiveness of sins and help us to forgive those who've sinned against us. We pray for the needs of those on our prayer and care list, for the families of those who've passed away and for those who are hurting physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We're so thankful for bringing Tucker and Elizabeth to this church. We look forward to his lesson today. Please bless him in that uh, speech of your lesson, Lord. Thank you so much for Jesus, for his life, for his death, burial, and resurrection. It's through his name we pray. Amen.
it's the Lord's Day on a secular level. It's also Mother's Day, as has been mentioned. So I'm going to talk about my dad uh, and my mom. <clears throat> Those of you uh, who knew mom and dad <clears throat> understood that you couldn't talk about one without mentioning the other. They were pretty much inseparable for over 60 years. My dad first laid eyes on my mom <clears throat> right here on this property. She was 13. Being several years her senior, he told his mom and dad that he thought Mary Elizabeth Brim was worth waiting on. And he would marry her someday. And that he did. Oh, they had their differences from time to time. And what must have been one of those days, he looked down at me, and I'm six or seven years old, and he said, Son, you know your mom and I are not related. <laughs> December 7th, 1941, created a period of time that would allow my mom to mature as my dad would be separated her from her for a while. From September of 1942 until his honorable discharge at the end of the war, <clears throat> my father was a machinist mate aboard the USS Miami, serving his duty in World War II. Those of you who have attended here for the last 100 years or more probably knew him and probably heard the story I'm about to tell. The Miami was classified as a heavy cruiser and spent most of the time during the war in the South Pacific providing shore bombardment and was involved in ship-to-ship -ship combat submarine warfare. The ship sustained damage on numerous occasions, including kamikaze bombardments, and was almost sunk in a typhoon. Dad's job was to blow deck in the engine room, well, below the surface of the water. During one of the engagements, the team below deck were notified by the bridge that there was a torpedo en route for a direct strike in the exact compartment where he was stationed. They were also informed that the hatches would be locked down and there would be no time to exit the area. Their lives would be sacrificed in order to save the ship from sinking from this hit. I'm not sure what all went through their minds during this wait, but there would be no doubt when the contact would occur. It did occur, but instead of a massive explosion and inpouring of cold seawater flooding the compartment, there was only the sound of the tip of the ordnance clanking against the ship's hull and no further action. It was indeed, as we say, a dud. My father's life was spared that day, and he and all with him were given a second chance, a new lease on life. Our Heavenly Father has given us a chance at living a new life, <clears throat> a new life that was made possible by the sacrifice of his only son. God in his wisdom has set aside this time each first day of the week so we can remember why we have hope of eternal life and to give him thanks. In Romans 6 and 4, we have these words. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the sacrifice 
the giving of your son for those of us, all of us who do not deserve it, for his body on the cross that we envision now, we give thanks for the terrible suffering that was involved and for what it means to us as Christians. We pray through Christ, amen. Heavenly Father, for the, the blood that continually cleanses us, we are so thankful. We're thankful that though we are sinners, we can ask for forgiveness and the blood of your Son cleanses us. We know we are sinners and we continue to sin and we continue to ask for forgiveness, Father. And Pray that our hearts will be centered on you as we partake. Pray through Christ. Amen. We're going to take this opportunity now that the Lord's Supper has concluded to talk about our giving. We talk about every week the ways that we can give, mailing a check, dropping a check by the office, dropping a check in the box at the back, paying through the West Irwin app, Pony Express. Point is, we don't really own anything. We possess what we have. It all belongs to our Creator. Let's think about that while we plan our giving today. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, you've blessed us so much. Measure of health that allows us to work and provide also gives us an opportunity to give back a portion to you, which all things come from. We know you can see what's in our hearts, and we pray that our hearts are with yours as we give today. Pray through Christ. Amen. You guys ever wanted to just beat your kids? I mean, just give them an old-fashioned whooping? Well, a couple of weeks back, as you can see pictures behind us, I had the opportunity to do that. And we met with and gathered with our group, our class upstairs that meets upstairs, uh, the We Connected class, and with the youth group here, and we had a family day at the park. And we played wiffle ball, we played kickball. I didn't play because it was too much running, but we played ultimate frisbee. I sat on the bench on that one, and I think we gave our kids a good whooping. I, I, I lost every game we played, but so don't get on my team if you choose next time. But uh, you can see the pictures we had aging from I think six or eight months old, maybe, maybe missing a few. Uh, I probably was the oldest, about 44. Uh, we've adopted Wade into our class at just yesterday, 61. Uh, so we have a wide range of people 
that are welcomed in our class. So next time we play wiffle ball or kickball and you guys want to join for family day, you guys come join. We had an absolute blast. Uh, we, again, we played wiffle ball, kickball. Uh, we just had fellowship. Uh, we had snacks. We just absolutely enjoyed the time of fellowship together. Uh, we met at the Rock, which is in South Tyler Park there. Uh, and again, just took an old-fashioned beating to our kids. Um, I, I found out that Cody and Kayla have a very, very competitive side to them. I found out that Jessica Smith has a soccer background. I found out that Stephen Freeman and I have the same attributes we want to set out when it comes to the running games. Uh, I found out that Nathan Turner plays first base like, like a champion. Uh, he, uh, he played first base like he owned it. Uh, Ethan Stone ran outfield like he was a marathon runner. Uh, we absolutely just had a blast. So our class, the We Connected class, uh, we have a calendar and a schedule, and it's on the board upstairs that every month we have decided that we want to get together and we want to make it purposeful that our class gets together and does fellowship. It may be kickball this week. It may be a pool party next week. Uh, last night we had a thing to celebrate Kara Mink's graduation. Uh, we just try to get together to enjoy fellowship, to grow the bonds. So we make the friendships here, and we grow the relationships and bonds elsewhere. Uh, if you guys are looking for anything to do, anything on the weekends that you say, I just don't have anything to do, and you want to join, again, it doesn't, it's not age-specific. We just want able bodies to show up and have fellowship with. And again, we do this on a monthly basis. We do this on a weekly basis. I would say that our class every week, every Sunday evening, uh, has a group meeting somewhere. We have small groups. We have our life groups. We have our monthly meetings. Uh, and we just have a great time to do that. So if you ever want to be involved, again, not age-specific, please find someone, ask, and we would love to have you. And we, again, had an absolute blast beating on our children that weekend. So uh, thank you.
Sorry, I had it clipped up all nice and good, and then I got caught on the pew. Can you all hear me all right? Is it good? Okay, cool. Uh, good morning. Welcome to West Irwin Church of Christ. We're so glad that you decided to join us this morning. Um, before we go any further, I just want to reiterate everything that's been said. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers, um, but not only to our mothers, but also to all of our women here at West Irwin. Um, we as a congregation are so blessed to have uh, just so many women that faithfully serve the body of Christ the way that we do. And so thank you uh, for all that you do. Uh, once again, what David said, there's going to be goodies at the back uh, for all women. Um, I think there's going to be some young men that will be passing those out, so will be looking for that. Um, working off the idea of Mother's Day, before we go any further, I just want to knock this out. Elizabeth, my wife, is still not pregnant, so <laughs> if I talk about anybody being pregnant... Not her. So we've got that out of the way now. Good deal. Um, We especially want to welcome all of our visitors this morning. Um, I am not the pulpit minister. Our pulpit minister is actually celebrating 45 years with his wife in Galveston this morning. And so uh, you're stuck with me. I'm Tucker Sullivan. I'm the youth minister here at West Irwin. And I'm just excited to be with you all this morning. Uh, Before we get started, I, I just want to start off with a verse to fix our mind on this morning heading into the lesson. From 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The new is here. Five years ago, around this time, I was graduating high school, getting ready to graduate high school and head off to college at Southwestern Oklahoma State University. Go dogs! And um, that's, that's an intimidating time for all of our seniors, for those that are coming up on it or have recently been there, um, you know how big of a deal college is, moving out from your parents' house. Um, it's just it's a little intimidating, a little overwhelming. Um, whenever you get there, you're going to meet a lot of new faces. You're going to be introduced to a lot of uh, new things and um, go to lots of random events, try to find friends and stuff. And uh, wherever you go, whoever you meet... Uh, we were asked pretty much the same three questions. The first one is, what is your name? Second one is, what is your major? And then the third one is, um, where are you from? And then if they really wanted for you to stick with their group, then they would be extra friendly and ask, what do you like? And, and stuff like that. But those are the three main questions. So my roommate and I, freshman year, uh, had this genius idea that we were going to make uh, customized shirts that just says, like, one, your name two, your major, three, where you're from. We didn't actually go through with that, but I'm still convinced to this day that we would have made a lot of money off that. Um, What is the sort of stuff that you hear people say about college? Um, It's a place where you get away from mom and dad. Maybe you you move out of the house. You learn some responsibilities. Like, for me, it was cooking eggs and doing my own laundry and stuff. Um, Meet new friends. Just figure some stuff out. But taking it just a little bit deeper, uh, what are some of the other ways that you hear people talk about college? Maybe it's where a person really discovers who they truly are. So common phrases that you might hear is self-discovery or self-expression or stuff like that. Now, I promise I'm not talking down on college or any, anything like that. Um, it was a, the most fun that I've ever had. I learned to not be a parrot so much and become my own person Um, And all that's great. But the issue that we start running into is that along the way, uh, especially around the time of college, we move away from these things. Um, 
say for instance our job or where we're from or things that we're affiliated with, an organization or something, our favorite team, our knowledge of this or that, we move away from those things just being a part of us and we're encouraged to make that the whole of us in a lot of ways. Um, we see this in the world all around us, but the reason why I bring up college is just because it is talked about so much there. Uh, as one analyst said, we've moved, roughly speaking, from thinking of institutions such as college as molds that shape people's character and habits towards seeing them as platforms that allow people to be themselves and to display themselves before a wider world. And platforms, that's such an important word that we see today, uh, platforms. College, platforms, so, I mean, think of social media. What is that other than just a, a big platform for everybody to be seen and heard? Um, and once again, I want to clarify, I'm not, not talking down on these things. I don't want to be the old man shaking the stick, saying, ah. Um, but what I am saying is, as with anything, uh, we as humans have found a way to twist this and take something that's morally neutral and turn it sinful and evil in a lot of ways. Um, so this leads me to the specific issue that I want to look at uh, biblically this morning. Coming back to the question, who are you? Not just the, the big three college questions, not even the what do you like to do, but who are you? What is your identity? So let's start by defining what we're talking about whenever we say identity. Um, here's a, a definition that I really like. It says, our identity is who we understand ourselves to be at the core. It's our essential self or it's what we want to believe and want others to believe is our essential self even if it's not who we really are. Who we understand ourselves to be at our core, who we believe ourselves to be, who we want for other people to believe that we are. So remember back to the verse that we opened up with. Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Suddenly, some things start to change whenever we're in Christ. No, not just some things. Every, everything changes for us whenever we're in Christ. Um, this isn't just some change in what we do, but it's, it's a change in us. It's a change in who we are. Um, we're given a new identity. And here's the thing, is our identity, our essential self, down to our core, is no longer found in ourselves. It's found in Christ. And whenever our identity is found in Christ, there's some things that are going to come with that. So that's what I want for us to look at this morning. What does this actually mean? So, first off, uh, it means that we're set free from sin. We're, we're set free from sin whenever our, our identity is in Christ. In one of Paul's writings to the church in Corinth, this will be 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Um, you can flip there if you want. I'll, I'll read it out. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, Paul lists out a multitude of sins, and, and what does he say? He says, that's what some of you were, that, that's who you were, but no more, not anymore. You've been washed, you've been sanctified um, by Jesus' blood through the Spirit. So, we're free people, right? We, we've been set free from sin. Um, not 
Not exactly. So as we keep reading, uh, this is another letter from Paul. This is to the Romans, chapter 6, verse 18. It says, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So here's set free from sin, and you think, okay, we're, we're set free. Um, what about the in-between? What about the transition from being set free from sin to becoming slaves to righteousness? The issue is uh, we're humans born into a world where uh, our definitions of words sometimes don't match up exactly with what we're seeing in the Bible. So if I were to say a word and tell you to think good or bad, um, here's what's going to happen. If I say the word slaves, your mind is automatically going to go to bad, evil, disgusting. Of course, because that's what we see whenever we think of slavery here on earth. Um, if I say free, then you're going to say good, because free, good, right? Um, that is not what Paul is necessarily saying here. What Paul is saying is to be under the control of something is to be a slave to something. To be free is to no longer be under the control of anymore. And we're no longer slaves to sin. Sin no longer has reign over our lives. Not only do we have freedom from sin, but we've been given uh, over to God. Our identity is found in God, and now we've been given eternal life. We're slaves to God. Uh, Continuing on in Romans chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. So not only have we been set free from sin, we've been made alive in Jesus Christ. We have been set free, free to eternal life. Okay, so we're free to sin. That's, that's the first point. Second point is uh, we have been made a child of God. We've been made a child of God. One scholar puts it in this way. Ever since Adam was expelled from the family at the garden, God has promised to make us his children again. So we can trace that concept all throughout Scripture, the progression. We see God calls the nation of Israel his firstborn son in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may work. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, I, I love this story. And I'm sure our students are probably getting tired of hearing about it because we've talked about it so many times. But I love it. I want for you to notice, how does Jesus approach this conversation with Peter? What's the first thing that he does? He asks him a question. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then Peter says, yes, Lord, you're, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my lambs. Then he asks him again, do do you love me? Just three separate times, this is what he does. He asks Peter, do you love me? And every time Peter gives the same answer, yeah, I I do, you know that. And then Jesus says, okay, since you've said that you love me, this is what you do. You you take care of my sheep. He doesn't lay it out as that there's some kind of options. Um. When Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, here's what he says. In Matthew chapter 22, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus had a lot of nice, not not nice things to say about the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious elites during that time. And the reason for that is because they had identity issues. They were praying in their own name, basically. Even if they used the name of Christ, they were relying on their own goodness. They were relying on their strict obedience to the law. And Jesus had an issue with that. But whenever you love God, there is the expectation that good deeds are going to follow. This is what the Bible likes to call bearing fruit. Um, whenever we love God, it's not a, okay, you're, you're doing these things that, so that you will love God. It's a, you love God, and so these things are naturally going to flow out of you. That's what it looks like. When our identity is found in Christ, we are servants of Christ. So, as we start to wrap up, I just want to talk a little bit more about why this is so important. Not just to know. I mean, of course, it's great Bible knowledge to know. Um, but not just in that way, but to truly believe. Whenever you're asked, who are you? It's important to know who you are and who God is. Um, it's a natural thing to try to figure out who we are. You take, I know some of y'all probably don't do this, but a lot of people do. You take personality tests, maybe. Um, and I'm INFP, Enneagram 9, if anybody's curious. You take quizzes about what type of dog breed you would be if you were a dog. And you go in saying that you're a Rottweiler and you want to be a Rottweiler. And then the quiz says that you're a Chihuahua. And you get mad at the quiz and say that it's broken. You're not actually going in looking for a response. You have an idea of who you are. And you want for it to just affirm who you believe yourself to be. So it's important to think about, who, who do I think that I am? What do I believe? Um, so going back to the definition of identity, our identity is who we understand ourselves to be at the core. It's our essential self, or it's what we want to believe and want others to believe is our essential self, even if it's not who we really are. I read a book a couple of months ago for a series that our youth was going through, and the book was all about habits. Some of y'all have probably read it before. Um, it's a pretty popular book. But it was super, super interesting because though it's not a Christian book, it's more of a psychological, scientific type book, um, a lot of the stuff that he said matches up perfectly with what the Bible, it just makes sense. The stuff that he would say, I would go through and put a Bible verse next to it because that's what I would think of whenever I would read it. It was super, super interesting. The the book was all about the way that our habits, the things that we do, the real small little things make such a big difference in our lives and who we are over a long stretch of time. Um, in the book, he doesn't just talk about habits. He talks a lot about identity also and how your identity plays a major role in your actions. Um, he says that the deepest layer of behavioral change is your identity, which makes sense. Um, and if you want to behave differently, the most effective way is to change the way that you view yourself. He says that you're simply acting like the person that you already believe yourself to be. Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern, pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The author of this book that I'm referring to says, when you have repeated a story to yourself for years, it's easy to slide into these mental grooves and accept them as a fact. 
In time, you begin to resist certain actions because that's just not who I am. There's an internal pressure to maintain your self-image and behave in a way that is consistent with your beliefs. You find whatever way you can to avoid contradicting yourself. So, my question to you this morning is, what is the story that you've repeated to yourself for years, maybe? What is the story that you tell yourself? Who do you believe that you are, and does that match up with what the Bible says that you are? Because we know that if we're in Christ, we're we're in Christ. Our identity is found in Christ, and so everything that we read here, the free from sin, child of God, servants of Christ, all of those things are true for you whenever you're in Christ. So do you believe do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that about yourself? Whenever someone asks who you are at your deepest level, do you think, I'm a child of God. I'm free from sin. Because the way that you view yourself is going to affect the way that you act. The, the way, the person that you believe yourself to be, everything else is going to reflect that. So do you believe what the Bible has to say about you. You're set free from sin. You're a child of God. You're a servant of the one true king. If there's anything that we can do for you this morning, please come forward as we stand and sing.
Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together to worship. And thank you for our moms. Thank you for their impact on our lives. I pray that you continue to bless our youth group. I pray, pray that you be with us all. Help us to make an impact on everybody's lives around us. Help us to stand up against the temptations we face. Please be with the members of our Western family that are going through health and life struggles. Help us to be there for them when needed. Please be with us all throughout this week and allow us to be good examples and to shine your light. Please, please forgive us of our sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.